What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff Hillen with Selling Stories, where we discuss the struggles, successes, and life lessons learned through sales and in sales. How many of us want to hear the word no in sales? I usually don't. However, I have a special guest with me, Andrea Waltz, co-author of Go For No, Yes is the Destination, No is How You Get There. Andrea, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Jeff, I am doing great. I'm going to unteach myself in my mind, I believe, everything I've ever heard about the word no and my want to hear it in sales. Is that fair to say in the next 20 to 30 minutes? Yes. Excellent. We are going to do it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, I reached out to Andrea through a through someone that also is an author, and they said, you have to speak to her. She is a great speaker. She has a great book. You got to do it. So here she is. She committed to it. So I'm excited. So I did some research, and I wanted to see, Andrea, if you could start for my listeners who haven't heard the story about um, somebody that's close to you and their experience of what they learned about the word no. Yes. My husband and business partner, Richard, had something happen to him when he was selling suits for a living at a menswear store. And this really was the launch off point for our book. This story is like the cornerstone to how we built the entire Go For No brand and the entire Go For No business was based on what happened to him. It's an aha Uh, moment. (laughs) It really was. It really was. So he was selling, he was failing. He was pretty sure they were going to fire him. The district manager, a guy named Harold, shows up to check out the store, make sure things are going well. And Richard figures that if he can impress this guy, maybe it'll buy him some time to improve his sales and he won't get fired. Now, Mm. as luck would have it, on the day that the district manager is there, Richard is the first salesman in that morning. So he got to help the first customer who walked in. And this guy happens to walk in and announces that he wants to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. There you go. T-ball. Yeah, put it on the tee. Total, yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) So he proceeds to take care of this man. He sells him a suit, sport coat, shirt, slacks, tie, belt, underwear, pocket square, came to $1,100. Now this goes back quite a while. This would probably be like spending five grand on clothing today. Uh, And he has this great sale. Now he's assuming that Harold, the district manager, is going to come over and congratulate him, you would expect, for this great sale. Finally, Harold comes over and says that was a nice sale. And Richard is thinking that he's so proud of himself. And then Harold asks him this question that was the life changing question. He says, out of curiosity, Richard, what did that customer say no to? And Richard sat back and reviewed the sale and realized that everything he laid in front of that man purchased. And then Harold asked him the really important question, which was, then if he, oh, and Richard, excuse me, had to admit that the customer didn't say no to everything, anything, everything he laid in front of that man yeah. purchased. Confirmation and question, which, yeah. Exactly. And so at which point Harold then follows that up with the next question, which is then how did you know he was done? If he never Mm -hmm. said no to anything, how did you know he was done? And, And the answer was that Richard was the one who ended the sale in that situation. He hit this kind of mental spending limit of $1,000. He figured at this point, that's a lot of money to spend. He had never spent that much money in his life on clothing. So Anybody in this situation would have to be done. So he basically took the guy up to the register, rang him up and sent him on his way. And then Harold said to him also where that customer is right now. And Richard said, where? And he said, he's at the other end of the mall, spending the rest of the money that you wouldn't let him spend with ouch, us. Ouch, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> right? Feeling really good until the conversation after the case. Now it feels terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Tough lesson, but an important one. Oh, and that's so interesting because you're. I totally agree with the concept. We internalize so much of our buyers on what we assume they would want or they need or 
is there, like you said, mental block capacity based on our own experience, our own dollar thresholds? So that's interesting. So now that concept of going for no, you mentioned, I believe in the book, the idea of people facing rejection enthusiastically. And I was wondering like what that concept really means and if there's any kind of concepts that you could help people relate that to. Yeah, we want people to love hearing no. And that's a, I, I know that's a kind of a big ask. So at least maybe we could drag people into the neutral zone. Yeah. And part of that has to do with not seeing no as the end of the process. Part of it is approaching it in an enthusiastic manner because the tr- the reality is, and anybody who's in, been in sales long enough knows this, that there is a numbers game aspect to it. Yes, you can improve. And I'm all for improving on the quality of a presentation and skill for sure. You can get mm-hmm. better in every sales skill there is. Negotiation, communication, you name it, you can get better. However, at the same time, there is a numbers game philosophy strategy to it. And not everybody is going to say no to you. So if you approach everybody enthusiastically, understanding that some are going to be no, no matter what you do, no matter, it's just completely out of your control. Some people will say yes and go into it enthusiastically, knowing that it's going to be a no. It could be a no from this person and the next person and the next person, but that maybe the fourth or fifth person is going to be a yes. And so for that, you do have to keep that upbeat, positive mindset, knowing that if you stick with it, if you stay in the game long enough, the yeses are going to happen for you. I feel like my kids may have read your book because I have two little ones and they love hearing the word no because they do things that I always have to say the word no to, I feel. And now it's gotten to the point where they say, I know you're probably going to say no, but... And then they hit me with, can I go play with my friends or can I stay up a little later and watch a movie? So it's funny, you start to internalize like maybe an answer, I think through experience, if you're in, like you said, if you're in sales long enough, you start to almost anticipate a no because you've heard it so many times. And it's difficult to have confidence that if you keep your spirits up, you're going to get to a yes. But you also mentioned chasing no to get to the yes. So what is that and, and how can somebody implement it? First of all, I want to say your kids have advanced skills now related to the word no, because they're actually, it's great negotiation, right? They're calling out the elephant in the room, which is, you're probably going to say no, which actually lowers your defenses because in that moment, they're almost allowing it. They're saying, we know dad's going to say no. So we know that dad. So just chill out. Let me go ahead and make my ask. And then you can decide on that, which actually is a it is a sales strategy to talk to a, a buyer or a customer and say, listen, this may not be for you, but yeah. uh, you, Andrew, know. you have no idea. They are advanced beyond their years. They're going to outsell <laughs> me in anything and everything I do, but you're correct. Okay. <laughs> I believe it. So going back to this idea of chasing no, and that is the key here is I think it's not the expectation that there's going to be a no. So we say, don't expect that you're going to get a no every time because You should be going into these interactions with yes energy, with yes positivity, Mm -hmm. but you have to accept that it could be a no. So there's a big difference between accept and an expect. And so that's that's a fine line to walk on. And I think sometimes if you're feeling discouraged or if you feel like you're in a slump, it's like, it's just going to be a no. You almost start looking for the no's. I had something happen. This wasn't exactly no related, but it's pricing related, which a lot of no's... Pricing, of course, is like 
is such a big part of sales and what people are willing to spend and all of that. But sometimes we hear objections and we hear no's when they're not really there. So I was talking to a person on Zoom about a service and I found out that there was this sign up fee, which I didn't know about. And mm -hmm. it made sense when she described what it was and why it was. But she said it very quickly and she said it was a $500 signup fee. So I wanted to make sure that I heard her correctly. And I said, so you're telling me there's a $500 signup fee. And she said, yes, but because you're, I don't know what the excuse was. It was like what she, she I think she thought in that moment that I was objecting. And uh -huh. so she very quickly lowered the price and gave me $200 off. I wasn't asking for it. I was actually just trying to get clarity on this fee. And so I think a lot of salespeople hear customers maybe ask questions and they see them as objections. They see them as obstacles. And then they immediately run to some kind of strategy like lowering price or whatever, doing a discount or, or where it was really just a clarity issue. It was really just a communication issue. So we have to be really careful to not put our assumptions on uh, of price or anything else onto the buyer. I had a, a potential customer that I met with this past week, and he was great. He was about as easygoing of a conversation as you could expect. He, he felt like he's like, we're in this together. I wasn't having to convince him that we were a team. Now, he was new to the organization, so we'll, it's still to be determined whether or not he has the absolute say and power to implement this project that he wants to partner on. But one of the things that I found in my experience is being comfortable when it feels too easy almost making sure and validating that there should be a no, if that makes sense, where, hey, this is an expensive project. Is this something that you have allocated funds for? This seems like you guys have already gone pretty deep into the design. Have you been partnering with other companies before we've sat together to, to go over this? And, and I say that not because I want to hear the word no, but I also don't want to be surprised if I hear the word no at the end because I didn't ask the right questions. And I wasn't sure if that ties into any of the concepts you have for going for no and asking the right questions to hear the no. Totally. And I think asking questions is such a big part of it and asking the tough questions. So I think a lot of times what we'll do, and I've certainly been guilty of this, and I get off the phone sometimes and I go, oh my God, I didn't ask <laughs> two or three super obvious questions. <laughs> sometimes they're detail oriented. Sometimes they're like just bigger, broader questions. but because I might be having a conversation and it just goes so well and it goes so, to your point, it goes so easily, it's so smooth. And then I just hang up and I go, wait a minute. And then I start wondering, is this gonna fall apart later? Because I didn't ask the tough questions up front to make sure that this is like a perfect fit. So you're absolutely right. It is part of the go for no strategy to okay. be willing to hear no and not play games with ourselves like, I'm just going to try to skirt along here, just try to get the customer to say yes, share only the things that I think this person wants to hear to get those yeses, and then try to close the deal before I get any no's. Because we've all had, we've all had a bad yes. And a good no is always better than a bad yes, because bad yeses are pain in the butt to clean up later. I wanted to know some mistakes that you felt were critical that you either hear a lot of maybe unsuccessful salespeople make or 
just common mistakes that you may hear come across you and, and you started to see trends. Is there anything that sticks out to you, whether they're one or two mistakes that you see and for what people could do to avoid them? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest mistake, going back to Richard's story, for sure, and this is something I see all the time, and it revolves around one word. And it, I think if you can think about this, have this one word in your head at all times, this will take away 80% of the sales mistakes that are made. And it's based in communication. And the word is assumptions. Mm-hmm. The word is assumptions. When we assume what somebody is going to decide, what we assume what somebody is going to do, and certainly what we assume if what they're going to spend, then we end up changing the presentation. We end up shortchanging the other person and we make all, those are what, where all the mistakes are that I've seen. And I have mm-hmm. certainly committed them all myself where people say, yeah, I found out later that this person really wanted, like they were excited to buy the highest end product. And I didn't even offer it to them because I just assumed that they were going to say no to it. I I just assumed this. I just assumed that. That's probably one of the biggest ones. And then I think another one is giving up on people too soon. Of course, we only know the success stories from those stories. We know when somebody is persistent and they stick with somebody over a long period of time. My record for being in a sales situation and staying in contact with a company was nine years before we finally like actually did business with them. And then that was recently broken by 14 years. So I've now had I got to ask you, company you're the author my- of go for yes. no, but did you ever think there was going to be a timetable? Where you're going to have to go 14 years going for the word no to hear yes. Never, <laughs> but I knew I did know that we would be right in my head. I thought well, we're going to, we're going to be here. We're going to be here yeah. doing this. I'm not doing going to do anything else. And so if this company is somebody that I want to work with, they're on my radar screen. And of course, people transition and leave. There's wildly, everybody's different at the company from when I began, of course. And I can't tell you how many times it's okay, start over with a new person, (laughs) introduce myself, start from scratch. Who am I? This is what I do. Here's who I talk to. This is what we talked about. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. From a B2B standpoint, for sure, it's persistence and it's hanging in there. So again, you hear the success stories and you go, oh yeah, that that works. That's true. And we don't hear and we don't see all of the opportunities that somebody lost because they just didn't follow up one more time. I'm a big believer in follow-up. You said the word assume and it hit me in the industry that I'm in, it's material handling industry. And some people have no idea what that means. So it's if you walk into a distribution center where everybody that goes online and buys things, there's the products that people pull orders or robots pull orders. And now days you can get them same day, a couple hours. It's crazy. But you were, you say the word assume in our industry, there's a lot of times where we as sales professionals assume people know what we do and what we offer. And that's a really big mistake because people just assume because we've been in business for 50 years and we've been calling on you for years, you've been a customer for years, that you have every concept of everything that we can provide to solve all the problems that you have. And that's a terrible misconception. I cannot tell you how many times I go on different sales meetings and I see an opportunity and it's, it hits me in the face. I ask a question to a customer and say, hey, have you ever thought about putting fans up in your ceiling? Because it seems pretty hot in here. It's summertime. Your employees are sweating. Labor's hard to get. 
has somebody ever brought that up to you? And he goes, well, yeah, we, we've talked to other people about it. I had no idea. Do you guys do that? Yeah. Yes, we do. And it's almost embarrassing. So I would say when you say the word go for no, and you say the word assume, you have to make sure you're educating your prospects, your customers on all the services that you can provide, as well as sometimes you have to educate and, and not assume they understand their own problems. That's another assumption that I believe many inexperienced or not top level salespeople make. They assume that what they're looking at, the customer sees, and it's like they see that every day. They look right through, look at that and they don't see that as a problem. They just assume that's what they do. That's how it's supposed to be. They don't know there's a better way. You have to educate them. And people that are willing to go and ask those right questions are absolutely more, in my mind, going to be more successful. I totally agree. And I think sometimes, especially for new salespeople, they might get intimidated working with, say, a successful business owner or somebody who's been doing it for 25 years is clearly seasoned. And they think, mm -hmm. what could I possibly bring to the table that this person isn't already aware of, isn't, isn't, doesn't already know? But it's like anything, when you're this close to it, yeah, you can't see the bigger picture. It often takes that objective person. So you're right, educating. And then having the courage, Jeff, I think, to bring it up. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people think they're already spending X dollars with us and I know how much that is and I know the average account. They're spending more than the average account. So if I bring this up, man, they're going to be spending a lot more money and they're going to outlay more cash. And so the likelihood of this person and they maybe they'll think I'm pushy and I don't want to look pushy. I don't want to. So it goes back to as well. And this is something that we don't dive deep into on go for no. We talk about this more in our book when they say no, but it's coming at it from a results and relationship standpoint. So to your point of education, you've got to be willing to educate, have the courage to share those things, make and make those asks and come at it from a, a service point of view that to sell is to serve that by making this suggestion of these fans of all of the things, all of the ripple effect, the positive ripple effect that could have on their business and say, Hey, if they tell me no, and they don't want to do it, at least we covered it. And they're aware of this issue. Going back to my kids' conversation earlier, one thing that I found to be successful for me, especially, and you're right, it's intimidating. If you're an early entry salesperson and you make a change into a different product that you're just not as familiar with, and you're right, you have some imposter syndrome, you just don't have the education, you feel comfortable knowing I can solve everybody's problem or there's other people out there that know more. But one question I've always asked people is, I'm sure there's a reason for this, but why don't you have this? And... When you put that question into somebody else's lap, then you allow them to educate you back. And if they can't educate you back, they go, I don't know. Or no, there's a reason why, because I've been pushing that for five years and, and we can't get the approval. So again, my advice out there, I'm not the not top salesperson in the country, but I've always felt if I'm unsure about something, I let somebody that seems to be an expert of their business tell me why this may or may not be a good decision for them. And it takes some of the stress off of me feeling like I have to solve it for them. They can tell me why or may that, that may or may not be a good idea. Yeah, I love that. That is, I just wrote that down because that is such a great- It's mine. I take, uh, don't take it. Andrea, it's mine. Give me something. I, I only want one thing. No, I, no, I'm just kidding. I, I promise I'm just you kidding. I will credit you. I will I'm credit you. I'm just kidding. I'm so, I'm so kidding. I'm so You're kidding. you my next book. Yes. Yes. I want to be on the front page with you with a face saying- <laughs> this struck me as my new book idea. I'm just kidding. No, you have way more to teach me than I could teach you. But no, seriously, the, the idea of going for no is, is intimidating. And I'm glad that you decided to write about it because 
there is no doubt, if, like you said, it's a numbers game. If you're in sales and you want to be successful in sales, you have to be okay with hearing the word no. And you have to have the confidence that you're going to hear no more than you hear yes. And that's okay. And you have to be enthusiastic, like you stated, about keeping working through it because you know you're going to get to the yeses, but you have to be willing to keep pounding through the no's. And it's critical. Yeah. And there's no, there's no way around it. You can keep perfecting your skills and you certainly can get better. And I, I would also add this, which is the more no's that you hear, you start to anticipate how to get around them. You get better. It's in the avoidance of no, where we start. I see sometimes I see stuff online, which is learn how to sell with absolutely do this business and experience absolutely zero rejection. Mm-hmm. And it appeals to people's fear and it appeals to those people who say, yeah, I don't want to sell. And because I couldn't handle the rejection, I couldn't handle just the grind and all of that. And it's unfortunate because sales is such an incredible life skill. I think a lot of people would actually benefit from being in sales. And, and I think they would learn that actually you can survive it. It's not yeah. as horrific as you're making it sound. It's just part of it. And when you also learn to, one of the things that we talk about in, in our most recent book is um, when they say no, just remember, it's not personal either. It's not sure. about you. It's about them. It's about their business. It's about their beliefs. If you're an artist out there, selling at the weekend market and people walk by and they criticize your work, that's painful. Like that's not just you work for a stupid company. That is like you created a a horrible piece of art and I would never put it on my wall. You know, I mean, that is painful rejection, but even that the artist shouldn't take personally because it's not about them. Yeah. The one thing, the, the last thing I wanted to say, because what you're saying to me is just Again, bringing up some emotions about things I tell people. And you know, again, we're in the service-oriented business and the material handling side. And I tell people all the time, if you go into an account and you ask them, how's the service you're getting from your current supplier? What is the likelihood they're going to say, it's awful? The likelihood is, oh, it's good. And if they weren't going to say it's good, it's, if it wasn't good, wouldn't they make a change? Wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you be getting called in here because they have a problem that they need your help with? No, you're stopping in out of the blue if you're cold calling or maybe it's a warm lead, you work somebody. So my question is always, if we were to earn your business, what would we need to do to make sure we're, keeping care, you know, we're taking care of you like your suppliers? What are they doing so well that you absolutely have kept them around for as long as you have? And again, I think when you say go for the words, no, you also reinstating have to be willing to ask questions that at some point you're making the customer almost like you have to say no to me, right? I'm going to at some point make you say no to me because of the questions I ask you. If all I ask you is, Hey, are you getting a good service? Do you have good pricing? Just very basic, easy to answer. Yes. Yes. It's great. Yes. I'm fine with my price, all that kind of stuff. Then the answer is going to be no, and you're not going to change it to a yes. So I think people really need to focus on the questions they ask to be able to get no's to turn into a yes. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were. Yeah, absolutely. I think questions build those relationships. And I love that you gave that example about, I think a lot of times people think, why would I continue to stop in if somebody is happy with the current supplier? And they told me last time, they told me six months ago, and they told me a year and a half ago. It's always the same. However, Things are always changing. We and we know that these days more than ever. I think the pandemic kind of changed that and oh, everything yeah. just got just completely thrown up in the air. And we know that in six months or three months, so much can change with a business. People leave, service all of a sudden falls off the cliff. And so if you're there 
to check in and continue to build that relationship, even though it hasn't paid off yet, you never know when they're going to say, you know what, it was great. We've been working with these people for seven years and it's gone downhill. We've had all these mistakes. So yeah, I'm open to looking. Sure. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, if you're only going after customers, they're going to switch over quickly. Don't be surprised when you're the next one getting switched out. The best ones to get are the hardest ones to get. And they take the most effort and usually they take time. So I love what, that you brought that up. That's true. This has been great. And I want to make sure if people want to hear the word no more, no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to say it that badly. That sounds terrible. But if people want to learn more about you and some of the other things that you do, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about everything that you're about? Jeff, I do tell people that. No, you said it exactly right. We want okay, I'm sorry. Hear, we, no, but here's why. We want people to hear no more often so that they can hear yes more often. There That's you go. part of that, right? It's, it's, I get it's, it. Yeah. It's counterintuitive. So you, no, you had it. Actually, so I'm well-branded. Just you, you can go on uh, Twitter or Instagram, at GoForNo, type in GoForNo on the internet, and I will be there. Perfect. Again, the concept that you have, like I said, I would say it's contrarian to a lot of sales, probably other people's beliefs in sales, right? Like it's definitely not your typical book that you're going to read and hear the same kind of message from a lot of different authors. This is something different and you have to take a different approach to the word no. So I love it. I really appreciate you willing to share your information, your stories and your time with uh, myself and the listeners today. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Cool. So this is Jeff Hillen with Andrew Walt. Go for no people here on Selling Stories. Everybody make it a great day.